Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Good afternoon and welcome to Garibaldi Red, Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis and I'm joined today by Reds fan and journalist Dan Storey. Good afternoon, how are you mate? I'm very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, good, thank you, good. And also our Reds correspondent Sarah Clapson. Good afternoon, Sarah, are you well? Yes, I am. Good afternoon, Matt and Dan. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> right, um, it's our one-year anniversary today. I forgot oh. to um, make note of that. Yeah, our first. You podcast. forgot to make a cake as well. Well, in the real world, as is tradition in our office, there would have been a cake, but um, yeah, there's there's a rotten apple for my lunch yesterday. That's about it. So <laughs> perhaps that sums up forest season, actually. <laughs> Yeah. Although, um, well, we can talk about a, a win, an uplifting win, a tense win. Uh, I said on Twitter last night, I don't get nervous about results. But I did last night as they beat Coventry City because it was such an important result. Um, Sarah, you um, watched the game. What did you make of it? I thought Forest were, were pretty good last night. It was a bit ner- I think I, I get your nerves. Towards the end, they were under the cosh a little bit. But I thought to come from behind, um, that showed a, a lot of character. Um, I thought that they looked better going forward than they have in recent weeks. And they defended really well. They were pretty solid. Joe Wall was, was absolutely brilliant. I think since he's come back from injury, he's been absolutely superb. And he, he was again last night. Um, and Bree Samba did well. I thought he was back to, to probably his best. He made some really good saves and he, he just looked generally more commanding and, and comfortable than he has done previously. Um, and the new signings did well. I thought um, James Garner was excellent. He looks like he could be a really good addition. Um, Kravinovic, if I can say it, he did well again. Um, Glenn Murray came on and, and played a part. So, And, and Lewis Graben getting a goal was really important, I think, as much for his confidence as is hopefully getting a few people off his back. So overall, I think it was a good night. What did you make of the additions um, over January then, Dan? Because Kravinovic and Garner are obviously identified as important cogs in a new look midfield. Were, were you impressed by the business done and, and particularly those two players and what they can change, hopefully? Yeah, I mean, they, they, were the, they were the 16th, 17th and 18th signings of the season. So Forrest are always going to have that turnover of players. We've learned that by now. But actually, if you take that window in isolation, it's it's pretty good business. Uh, I didn't have huge expectations of, of Garner, not because I think he's a bad player, but just because I th- thought it would probably take him quite a while to get up to speed. And the tendency at Forrest is this, if it does take you a while, other players can quickly pass you by because there's just so many in the squad. So hugely important for him to start. Well, I thought he was probably our best, certainly our best attacking player. Um, yes, great. And Glenn Murray is a good sign, I think, because it's a sign that Chris, you know, he's, a, he's very much a Chris Hutton signing, which suggests that the manager is at least getting a chance to bring his own players in rather than having players kind of foisted upon him, which other managers have, might have complained about in the past. So, yeah, all in all, pretty positive, I think. My big gripe about the team this season, 
Oh, the biggest one, I would say, is the ball moving too slowly through midfield and wingers not getting the balls in, in good enough positions. And then obviously strikers not getting service in turn particularly well. Is that something you would feel has been the biggest problem as well, Dan? Or do you think that there's something else that's been missing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Sammy and, and, and Joe Lolly have come in for a bit of flack for their performances. But the reality is, is if you pass the ball slowly through midfield, when they get the ball, the op- the opposition has had time to bed in and probably put two players on whichever of them receives it. And it's very hard for a, you know, for championship players to to beat those two players and then and then create a chance for a striker. Um, we need to play the ball quicker. I understand why Hutton is fairly risk averse in terms of you know he he will reason that if we keep clean sheets, then we can move up the table pretty quickly. But there has to be a balance because. Not last night, but over recent games, it's been pretty turgid stuff. And it looks like Forrester kind of only ever react when they go behind. And obviously that happened again last night. But there did seem to be a different form of intent, at least. And, you know, Joe and Sammy and whoever plays there will will hugely appreciate that because their work has not been easy. Do you think then, Sarah, that... I mean, you don't want to put too much on Garner after one game, but there's a there's a good highlight reel of him I've seen this morning of him pinging forty yard and fifty yard balls, which is something that's been missing, you know, horribly this season. Do you think him and Kravinovic could provide a little bit of entertainment and Pep Forrest up as an attacking force? Yeah, I think they're they're probably two important signings in that sense. Um, Garner looked really comfortable on the ball and he can definitely pick a pass. I mean, he set up um, Lewis Graben's goal essentially with that brilliant ball um, and it it was a real peach of a pass. If he can keep doing that, I think he he could really be important for them. This season... Forrest still haven't replaced Ben Watson. I think that's been a big problem in midfield. They've got so many midfielders. A lot of them are quite similar and but none of them have been able to do what Ben Watson did last year. Um, James Garner is a different type of player, but I think he's probably the closest to being able to do what, what Watson did. Um, and and it's such a key role. Kovinovic as well. I think he he just adds a little bit more. He looks like he he wants to get on the ball and create things and and have a bit more drive. And Forest haven't had too much of that this season. I think they have had players who have been out of form, like Lolly. Amiobi's been a bit up and down. Knockart started a bit slowly, but has started to find his feet. If they can get everybody playing like we know they can, I think there's, I mean, there's definitely quality there. It's been able to get the best out of them and, and been able to create chances for the strikers because for a long while, it wouldn't matter who played up front. There was just nothing there. They were they were getting no service. They were getting no support. They could have had Messi in the team and, and Forrest probably still wouldn't have scored a goal. But if they can start adding a bit more, then there's the quality there. So I think Chris Hutton still needs to get a bit more out of the team and there's still room for improvement. But I think it's it's looking a bit more confident now, I think. Yeah, I mean, jumping way ahead on my list of questions. Um, I mean, where do you stand on this team as it, as it is today, Dan? Is this team going to stay up and stay up comfortably? Is it a decent enough team to to do what's required in the short term? I, I hope so. And 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 player for player, quality wise, both what they've produced or actually in the main more what they've produced for previous clubs, it should be. But it's a, it's a team that has been, you, know, you cannot separate the club and the team. And when there's a huge turnover of players, when there's kind of 
upheaval at the club, which seems to have dogged Forrest for the best part of a decade, let's be honest. It's very hard. It's very hard for every manager and it's very hard for the players. Um, particularly, I think, during you know the current circumstances where if you do sign seven or eight players in a summer, then it takes a long while to get used to them because you're not spending time with them socially. You're not building bonds. You're not creating that unity which every successful Chris Hewton team has had. So that takes longer. Um, the the key is for this not to be another false dawn because we've seen that before. You know, when we beat Millwall at home, it was it was a, a sign of things improving and then we, we kind of fell back to our old habits and that needs to be avoided because... You know, they need to go again and beat Wickham. They need to prove that they can, you know, they can hold their own because they've got some, you know, they've got a horrible run coming up in March, for example, that if they go into that without confidence, then they'll quickly slip back down the table. Yeah, my my concern with them um, this season has been that they seem to be all right against the lesser teams. I mean, they've beaten Coventry twice um, and they've done quite well against the teams down the bottom end league. But when they play the good teams, they just, they just, perform okay and, and lose is that the concern Sarah that you know the, 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 running for the next few weeks after the Wiccan game then yeah I think so and I think that's just where Forest are at the minute they're, they're not in that top bracket of teams so they are going to struggle against them I think that's going to be the case probably from for now until the end of the season it's just about doing enough and making sure they get the points against the teams like Coventry like Wickham picking those wins up where they can and trying to get as much breathing space before they go into that tough run of fixtures. They're an inconsistent side, and I don't think that's not going to be solved overnight. They're not suddenly going to turn into a, a team that that beats those good teams week in, week out. It's it's just, it's just where they are at the minute, I think. Um, but I think they probably do have just about enough to to stay up. I hope they do anyway. Although I, I thought in the summer they had a, a squad that was good enough for a playoff challenge. So perhaps, uh, perhaps my prediction isn't the best. No, I thought they did if they started well, but they certainly didn't start well. Um, what about, you? Talk, we talk about that turnover of players. Then one player who signed um, permanently before the game I started was Cafu, who I must admit I'm not fully convinced by. I've, uh, I've talked about moving the ball quickly through midfield and everything he does does seem to be quite slow. But he's done okay, so I'm not saying he's a, he's a bad player. But I suppose the question is, Dan, is he a, an upgrade at all on what they have, or is he just another one of the you know the new signings that fits into this mould of being much of a muchness in, in compared to what's already in the squad? Yeah, I, I have to agree. I think his best assist so far this season is probably being signed permanently, so that Garner <laughs> can be brought in. Um, he. he he falls into that mould of Forest players who just seem to arrive and from day one, you're never quite confident that they're either wanted or particularly necessarily want to be there. And, you know, we hand out two, two and a half, three year contracts to these players and then um, either we use the, the ownership model to, to move them on invariably to Greece or they kind of fall into that. Zach Clough mould where you, you you know even as committed Forest supporters you forget they're there a year later I hope that isn't the case but you look at the team last night and you look at the midfield the central midfielders and attacking midfielders that played and you think well it, it's going to take an injury crisis for him to start games regularly quite frankly unless he shows Chris Hutton something in training but you can't honestly tell me that that Chris Hutton went to um, went to the Forest hierarchy this week and said, look, I really want this Cafu guy's loan to be made permanent because I think he's the answer. It, it felt like a, 
an administrative signing as much as a as much as something for the future. What do you think, Sarah? We mean a bit harsh. He does take a good set piece. He takes a better set piece than some of the players that are in the in the squads, and he's done all right. So, is it a smart bit of business or not? I think that's probably it. he's done okay. He's done all right. Um, he's not been amazing. He's probably not. He's definitely not been the pick of the summer signings. Um, I'm not sure I would have handed him a long term deal, but I think he he's done okay. I think the Chris Hutton still still seems to struggle with what he's best position is I think is he a number 10 is he a number 8 he can play in so many different roles and I guess that flexibility is good you want that you want those kind of players in your squad but I'm not entirely sure which one he's best suited to I thought that he looked better further forward but but then he he says that he's more of a defensive midfielder so he seems to be yeah I mean the fact he can play in a few different roles is good what's the um, what's the best midfield three when they're all fit Sarah um, I think Knockhart's played his way into being first choice in there now. Um, Kravinovic probably is it, difficult between. I think Mighton should be in there. Um, I think he deserves more game time. But Chris Hutton seems to like um, Sami Amiobi. Um, and then probably the midfield two behind them. James Garner's definitely got to be one. Um, and Ryan Yates, I think probably he's been. He's been up there with the player of the season so far, which says a lot about everybody else, really. What do you think, Dan? If you were picking a midfield three and two wingers today, who would, who would you have? Yeah, I mean, on on individual talent, it, it should be. It should be a really good team. It should be Lolly and uh, Knockout on the wings and then um, Garner and, and Yates in the middle. It, 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 it should pick itself. But when you lose games as regularly as we do and when the fixtures come so thick and fast. It doesn't really feel like Forrest have ever had, or Chris Hutton even has ever had, his idea of a best choice first eleven yet. Hopefully mm. signings in January will change that and hopefully Garner plays, you know, 15, 16 games between now and the end of the season and, and knuckles down a place because it's so hard to get things going, particularly in the first 30 minutes of games when the team is changing every week and nobody's really sure who's first choice for their position. Hmm, true, true. Um, one player we haven't talked about who would definitely be in the first eleven is Scott McKenna, and I guess that's a good thing, Sarah, in a sense that you know they they didn't miss him too much last night. Figueredo was coming for a lot of flack, um, rightly so, in you know generally in the way he's played, but he did do he he did do well last night, didn't he? He did all right against Barnsley as well. Yeah, absolutely. I thought he did he did pretty well last night alongside Joe Wall. Um, and he is a good player. He's just had a, a real dip in form probably since the restart last season, um, Figueredo. But on his day, he can be a good defender. It is a blow to lose Scott McKenna because him and, and Joe Wall are undoubtedly the first choice partnership and together they're, they're really good. But, you know, to have an option like um, Figueredo to come in and do a job, I think Chris Hutton's pretty well stocked in, in terms of central defenders. You've got Lower Combeso and, and Michael Dawson, who hasn't even played yet this season. So he is well covered there. Mm. Am I going to give Figueredo a big out here, Dan, by saying maybe it's tough for foreign players stuck in a foreign country during a pandemic when they're quite isolated? And it can be difficult mentally. And there has been talk of him wanting to go back for feeling a bit homesick. Am I giving him a too much of an excuse for his struggles this season or not? I think that's probably fair. I think we, we too readily overlook that human aspect, particularly, as I mentioned earlier, with regards to the current circumstances, does make for that, you know, you overlook just how important teammates can be and, you know, a close-knit group 
Um, that's the positive way, way of selling cliques, but you do get a number of close-knit groups within a squad. And if you can't spend that much time together, it must be hard. And it's hard when you're not playing football as well, when you're training and not playing every week, because I can see in a, in a foreign country living in your own little bubble and then training every day to not actually perform on a Saturday it must be really, really hard. And if he thinks he can get a, you know, a first choice centre back gig back home, then you, you kind of understand his, his feelings, but um, we, we might well need him this season. And, and hopefully the last two games are a sign of things to come because I think he fits that Hewton mould. You look at the Brighton team with, with Duncan Duffy. It was, he wants central defenders first and foremost. He wants players that can clear it, can head it, can tackle, can lead the line, um, kind of organise the defence. And it's no, you know, it's no coincidence that, that Bree Samba looks more solid, I think, when he has those kind of solid central defenders in front of him. Yeah, I mean, the manager must rate Figueiredo, mustn't he, Sarah? To, because Embe Sow hasn't put, done too much wrong when he's played and Michael Dawson hasn't had a kick. So the manager must be a big fan of the Figueiredo-Warrell partnership. Yeah, I think so. It's probably like um, like Dan says, really, they're kind of two old-fashioned centre-halves, a bit like Scott McKenna is as well. Hewton is he's generally quite a cautious manager and his his priority when he came in was to tighten Forest up and make them harder to beat. I think essentially he's done that. Um, and yeah, he does seem to like Tobias Figueiredo. I think it helps when you do have a settled defence um, and the fact that they've generally kept with Cyrus Christie and Yuri Ribeiro as the, the two fullbacks and Joe Worrell alongside A and other. Um, I think that's probably helped them a lot. They, they, they do look a lot more solid now, I think, Forrest. We talk of a settled defence there. Ribeiro's back now from his three-match ban. Who is actually the first choice left-back now? Is it still Ribeiro, Dan? Or has Bong, you know, by hook or by crook, done enough to to keep his place? I think Ribeiro probably is still first choice. Um, There was obviously that kind of uncertainty at the start of the season where there are rumours about him being sold he, he he is as consistent I think as you get in a in a forest team this season um Gaetan Bong is you know he knows Chris Newton Chris Newton knows him he's a he's seen as a dependable pro I think albeit one on far too much money for a, a you know for a, a, a non-starting championship player but uh he's good to have around I think and he, he you know he has filled him pretty well it should be said it's not easy just to just to come in and, and play a role like fullback that relies on you both getting forward, staying back and having good relationships with wingers that seem to change every week and, and central defenders. And obviously, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's good enough for a team that wants to be top half of the championship, if I'm honest, anymore. But yeah, I think Ribeiro probably is. What about Christie, Dan? I mean, the comments in the, the stream here are almost always negative about Christie. Is he a bit unfortunate that he's, you know, the guy after Matty Cash, who was way too good for the championship? Does Christie suffer a bit from that, or is he actually not that good? Uh, I think he's probably a decent player, but to, to my mind, he's the perfect personification of a Forest signing because he did really well at his other club and the club before that. And... um looks like a, a if not a complete right back then certainly a right back that could go forward and defend properly and this season we're not really seeing or we haven't really seen enough of either and I think that's that happens when you've got you know you're parachuted into a club at the right before the start of the season in which you expect you're probably going to have to play 45 46 games if if you can and it's hard it's hard to build up those relationships and as I say fullback is a position where you probably need that more than anything and as soon as the confidence dips 
you must begin to think like, what have I signed up for here? You know, the fans are on my back. I'm not playing that well. I'm making individual mistakes. I'm getting caught out of position occasionally. And it's a really hard thing to get back from when you're playing twice a week. Mm. I mean, he spoke, um, I did a press conference with him a while ago. He spoke about the challenges of being a lone player and knowing that your future doesn't necessarily lie there. And at the moment, Forest team might have a whole squad in that sense, mightn't they? Because they've got five players on loan and they've got a squad who probably quite a lot of them know the manager might want to move them on. That must be a, a difficult situation for the whole club, in a sense, manager and players, Sarah, mustn't it, if I'm right? Yeah, I think you've probably got a really good point. Um, I think it's probably... it's Forest recruitment, longer term, like going back you're kind of seeing the effects of that now. You've got so many players that were signed by so many different managers, even though it's only been a few years, because Forest have such a high turnover of players and of managers. It's a, it's a real mishmash of a, a dressing room. And to try and get that that bond and try and forge those relationships isn't easy. Um, again, particularly when you've got loan players who know that come the end of the season their futures are up in the air, they'll probably get moved on or go back to their parents' clubs or, or go somewhere else. Um, it, it is difficult. I do feel for Cyrus Christie, I think. Um, I, I do think that he he suffers from not being Matty Cash. I think he's OK. I think he's he can be he can be good going forward. His crossing maybe needs to improve a little bit. He puts plenty in, but the final ball isn't always there. Um, defensively, he, he does OK. He's made a few errors, but you know, I think pretty much everybody in the Forest team has made an error this season defensively. So he's not alone on that front. Um, I think he does okay for for what Forest need. Mm-hmm. I mean, is the club in kind of stasis at the moment, Dan, in just trying to get to the end of the season? And then will we have another rebuild? Or is Houghton gradually building something that there, there might be a few four or five tweaks and six or seven of this team will, will still be around next season? It's difficult to say if not in his head, but how, how do you see it going? It, I mean, it depends on, on him as well, because the shelf life of a Forest manager is just less than a year. And um, if we finish 19th, 20th, 21st, will he maybe even he see his future elsewhere? It's Forest like a roller coaster that just keeps doing the same lap. And eventually it gets really boring. You know, roller coasters are exciting, but if you do the same one 15 times a day, it loses its edge. And that's Forest, I think. They, You're right, they're in stasis, but they're also um, kind of a, a mishmash of a club that seems to lurch from one ideal to the other and never really commits to anything. And that's so hard for managers. You know, that that is the, the breaking of managers. I think it was probably the breaking of Lamucci the breaking of managers before him. And I think I said on here before when I came on, the big worry for me with Hewton is that Forrest would kind of drag him down quicker than he could impose himself on the squad and the club. And maybe to some extent that's what's happened already. You know, I don't I, I, I don't think we've played as well or got the results that he would have expected or wanted since he's joined. And um, the, that turnover of players must be a part of that. Mm. I think I maybe I'm a bit more optimistic I don't think like you say he's, he's a naturally conservative person I think maybe it's a bit more of an, an evolutionary thing with Forrest um, and the, the recruitment does look like they were his players which is a positive as you say mm-hmm. do you think Sarah that it's going to be a case of he's gradually going to build a team and we're not going to see a rapid transformation with Forrest and maybe next season we'll see a more distinct style of play yeah I think so I think if you probably look at where 
um, Chris Houston's been in the past, that's happened as well. Um, and I think that was probably always going to be the case for whoever came in for the Forest job after Sabri Lamucci. Um, you always need time. You always need that space to build. And you would think come the summer, he'll get more of a chance to put his mark on the squad. He's done that a little bit in January, um, mostly with loan players. But the summer's really where he'll get chance to to look at and assess and, and put his team together, put a team together that he thinks is good enough and that can do the job that he wants. Um, I think we, we'll probably see a, quite a, an overhaul in the summer. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a, another fairly big turnover of players, whether that's good or bad. What kind of team do you want then, Dan? As a from not a journalist, as a fan, what what kind of side would you want for us to be fielding next season? Forgetting about this season now. If Chris Hewton's in charge, I want it to be a team that's built in his own image as a manager, which is typically um, a smallish squad, um, a club that is pointing in the right direction um, with everything kind of married together, which is exactly what Brighton were. They will be solid defensively. They will play with a target man striker because that's what Glenn Murray did so so successfully. Um, And they will have exciting wingers to to kind of transition from defence to attack quicker and play on the counter um they you know they really they really haven't done that well this this season it feels like because they've been under pressure in so many games when they get the ball back it's kind of everyone takes a bit of a sigh of relief rather than immediately looking to attack and kind of you know getting all bases covered and starting from a a, you know a deep position and then you end up being dispossessed and finding passes hard to come by they will play direct football under Hewton and that doesn't necessarily link to the this kind of glorious ideal that some Forest fans have of how the club should play. But quite frankly, the the way we've tried to play or any manager that's tried to do that has been unsuccessful in the past. We've had exciting seasons, but we haven't had fully successful ones. And I would rather have a successful team than a, a team that's good to watch now, which is a, a kind of a sad thing to say, but also a reflection of where the club's at. Ah, you've stumbled nicely into my uh, next question there. Then I was wondering about... Team DNAs and ethoses and all that kind of thing. When you look at Brighton pinging the ball around and Leicester, and I was even watching like clips of Blackpool in League One under the, I think his name is Neil Critchley, the manager, playing some fantastic football. Are you actually that bothered about that now as a Forest fan? I mean, like you say, is it just about winning now? Uh, well, this season it's certainly about winning. I, the thing is, football fans always like, you know, they like to be entertained. Of course they do. Um, and particularly when they come back into into games, I think we'll see a huge surge of um, a kind of demand of managers because we have people haven't seen live football for so long. But the reality is is that we assume they pointed Chris Hutton for a reason, and that reason cannot have been, if they're sensible, to expect him to play, you know, intricate passing triangles. That's not what he's ever pretended to do, and he's been successful doing it a very different way. So. If they were putting their eggs in that Hewton basket, i.e. he isn't just going to be another short-termist, he isn't just going to be another firefighter, he's someone we're going to build round, then you have to expect that football. Um, and again, when, when it's done successfully, those doubts or those concerns, I think, about maybe how the team looks quickly dissipate, I think. Yeah, Sarah, is this just a hipster football fan to want fan thing to want everyone to play like Brighton or Leeds or whoever? I mean, uh, am I am I too misty eyed about that? Or, 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 yeah. Even going back to the Paul Hart team, which I make no apologies for, because that shaped me as a fan in terms of you know 
football can be brilliant. It can be bloody awful when Neil Warnock's the one celebrating at the end. But um, I've digressed from my point. I mean, is football DNAs and all that kind of stuff too much of a thing for, for fans, Sarah, do you think? I think everybody wants to see good football, don't they? Everybody wants to see good attacking football, but it doesn't always get you the right results. I mean, you think back to not that long ago when... Philippe Montagnier was in charge and Forrest was scoring, what, four or five goals, but conceding six and losing. Um, and you end up getting nowhere. So there are different ways to win matches and there are different ways to be successful. Chris Hewton has his own way of being successful and he's proven that. Um, and if that gets Forrest where they want to be, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Mm. Um, we've not really touched on Glenn Murray yet. He actually got off the the bench um, against Coventry ahead of Lyle Taylor. Does that say anything about uh, Taylor, do we think? Is, is Murray now the second choice striker or, or, or not? Is it just one game and we're getting ahead of ourselves, Dan? I don't think he'll start many games, Murray. I, I think, you know, given age, given um, miles in the legs, I think he's probably a, a, he's a striker for a certain type of match, you know, maybe away at, at those bigger sides. Maybe he'll start and they'll kind of look longer team to hold up the ball and bring others into play. Um, I think he offers something different. Um, Forest don't really have pacey strikers. So if you aren't going to have a pacey striker, being a target man is incredibly useful. Um, and I think it's fair to say, I mean, Chris Hewn didn't sign Lyle Taylor for one, but also I don't. I think it's fair to say that we probably expected a bit more from, from Taylor. I think we expected him to, given the the, the struggles of, of Lewis Graben this season, I think we probably would have expected Taylor to start more games. Um but he, you know, it hasn't happened. He's not scored regularly as as no Forest strike has, and I don't think Glenn Murray will. But what he can do maybe is link those others into play because, I mean, Sarah mentioned earlier, but at times this season, Graben's been basically playing in his own postcode as Forest sit deep and struggle to pass their way out of trouble. So, yeah, I think Murray offers something different. I, I just wish it was, you know, a 2013 or even 2017 Glenn Murray than a. 2021 Glenn Murray because I don't think he's got that many minutes in the legs. Who are Forest strikers next season? I mean, Graben's 33, Taylor's 30, and you know, he's on a couple of years left on his deal. And obviously, can't see Glenn Murray being here next season. So, who are Forest playing up front? Is it still Graben, Sarah, or not? I think they'll probably have to look to bring in another striker in the summer. I mean, you've got Will Swan coming back, obviously, but he's not going to be playing or starting regularly. He'll be there. Um, to help out, but I, I think Lewis Graben will probably still be here. Um, albeit, I mean, there's been speculation in the past about him um, going to link up again with Sabri Lamucci, but I, I think Forrest will have to look and, and try and bring in another striker in the summer. Yeah. Well, do you, where do you stand on Graben, Dan? He's not had a good season, but his, his pedigree is such that he should still score goals, you know, even if he is 34 with the way he plays the game. Yeah, he, he's, I mean, he can be incredibly frustrating. You have games where you know, you watch the first 60 minutes and you wonder why he's still on the pitch and then suddenly he'll score. Um, he does have a slight issue, even even last season when he was scoring, he has a slight issue with, with chance conversion and, and confidence, I think. And I think occasionally because he doesn't do an awful lot more and that's just how he is as a striker, I think sometimes that can kind of create a perception of, of laziness or that he doesn't care. Uh, I think they're inaccurate. I think he, you know, like any striker, he's he's got to where he is because he loves scoring goals and he's been successful doing them. And and let's face it, he last season he was Forest top goal scorer for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, I, his legs won't have gone. I don't see that being an issue. It's just whether there's a hunger to stay at the club because he'll have seen, 
he might well reason that last season was his big chance to get back into the Premier League and that chance has probably gone now and when you get to that sort of age you do look at, at money offers you do look at abroad because why shouldn't you? Mm, true, true. Um, let's look ahead to the weekend then against Wickham. Uh, are Wickham down or can they still stay up? Because I was quite impressed with them when I saw them play down. What, are, are they gone already? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that, you know, it's a hard-working squad with a, a hard-working passionate manager but they they you know they got promoted ahead of time Wickham fans will say that themselves that the promotion itself was the was the the kind of the brilliance and it was very unlikely to be replicated this season with the budgets they're operating on and I did think I think I think they're pretty good at city ground but they just I mean they haven't replicated that in other games and uh yeah I think they're done particularly with you know with Derby and Sheffield Wednesday starting to pick up points as well I think they will quite quickly be cut adrift so is this a must-win game, Sarah? I mean, the table would look a lot different. It'd be on 32 points and could be up to 15th or 16th or wherever. Is it, do Forest have to win this game? Yeah, I think they do. Um, I think these two games, the Coventry game and the Wiccan game, you'd have to look at them and say, we need six points from them um, to give themselves some breathing space. Even if you pick up... I mean, they've, they've been on... They've lost what one in their last nine league games and they're still in and around that group at the bottom of the table. It just doesn't seem to have lifted them up far enough. So if they can get another win on Saturday, it would help hugely. Um, and they're the teams they need to be beating. If you're going to stay up this season, you need to be beating the likes of Wickham and Coventry. Mm. Who are the other two teams going down then, um, Dan? I assume you're not going to say Forest, but who, who, no. else, who else are you looking at? Uh, well, I think Birmingham are in real trouble because mm. you know I Rank has no mug. He knows that division, and um, unless they manage to get, you know, unless he left and they got someone like Paul Cook in who can cause that kind of surge, I don't think they've got enough. Um, they're, they're sinking like a stone. And the one thing that this run of or almost uh, unbeaten run of, of nine games has done is it has brought others into it. You know, Millwall and Cardiff, and you know, I was looking at Huddersfield last night, and they've sunk like a stone as well and missed out on a striker on, on deadline day and fans kind of really worried about the recruitment model there. So uh, I, I, Huddersfield's the one I just wonder about kind of sinking if it starts to go wrong. Yeah, that's a good point. I looked at um, Birmingham, I thought, and maybe Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, what, what do you think, Sarah? Rotherham look okay, actually. Are they Might they stay up? Yeah, I think they looked okay. There's so many teams, though. It's so tight down there. Um, I think... Coventry are another one. If they don't kind of get the results, they can quickly be dragged back into it. Even QPR, I mean, they can st- still get um, dragged into it. It's really tight. There's not a lot to choose between a lot of teams. I think that's probably the case throughout the championship as a whole this season. Um, we were talking to Chris Hewton about it the other the day, about how this season, perhaps more than any other, there's so little between teams. It's going to be so close, I think, both at the top and the bottom. Do we probably see the same starting eleven, Sarah? Is there any news on the injury front of someone who anyone who might come back in? Um, I guess Sam Basal might be the one. He was he was touch and go for midweek, so it could be that he's back for Saturday. Um, I don't think I would change it really. I think I would probably stick with the same eleven. Um, why change it when you've got a you've just got a win if you don't have to? Would you uh, go with the same eleven as well, Dan? As well, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, 
um, and try and kind of replicate that first half attacking intent and take it through the 90 minutes because I think Wickham are aside if, if, if Forest do sit back and invite them on then they'll, they'll create chances but if Forest can go at them you know Wickham must be kind of fragile with confidence and Forest have to look to exploit that there's no point trying to you know see out the first 30 minutes try and see out the game and grab something I think they need to be a little bit more proactive um, Sam Basar has become a regular topic of conversation on here because his contract is running out and he it does have these injury problems. Would you give him a, a new deal or is it time to shake his hands and move on, Dan? Yeah, I think it probably is, sadly. You know, he's not done much wrong in a forest shirt. But, um, and then, you know, we talk about the Kravinovic and, and Garner and obviously these are loan signings. So, you know, suddenly places become open up at the start of next season. Um, but yeah, he's just not really got the run in the team that he has and he does have these kind of moments he has these games where you think this is what we want from a Sambasau this is what they've signed up for and then there's games where they seem to just pass him by and he makes these silly mistakes and kind of almost gets down on himself and I just don't think we've seen enough to to justify a, what would I assume be another two or three year contract. Mm. What about Harry Arter? Um, he was linked with a, a move away I mean is Ben Watson the cautionary tale there that a player can be dead and buried and come good? What, what, what should they have sold him, Dan? What do you think? I really, um, Arthur is actually the one who's really disappointed me this season because uh, I know he's not, you know, he's not getting any younger, but he has that Premier League experience. He had successful experience last season. Uh, he plays in a position in which he can kind of, you know, he should be able to quite easily implement his game into a new club because it's a very you know, it's his own game style. It's it's harem scarum. It's aggressive. It's tenacious in the tackle. It's kind of bringing up the people around him. And he should have been a leader of this team. And it's just not happened. I don't know why. I don't know if he's not settled in. Um, but, you know, they put down a fair amount of money on Harry Arter. And to, to hear four months later that he's being linked with a move away is is not ideal. Is he in danger of becoming the newest member of the, the new look bomb squad, Sarah? There's a lot of <laughs> midfielders that are very similar here. I mean... If you know, if Sal were to stay, you've got still got Bashiru, Colback, Arthur, Yates, um, Sal, who are all very Akafu, who are all very similar midfield players. So something might have to give in a sense, mightn't it? Yeah, I, I would put, I mean they have got a lot of midfielders, um, and he's fallen down the pecking order. Um, I think I'd probably I'd, I'd agree with Dan that he's not he's not done what we expected from him when he signed I was I thought he'd be really good I thought he'd be a really key player and make such a difference um but yeah for for whatever reason it hasn't happened he's had injury problems obviously but um it's a it's a tough one um if he doesn't if he doesn't start showing what we know he can do then you're going to start getting speculation it will happen again in the summer because there are so many players there of a similar mold um I think the the Ben Watson kind of story is probably relevant that you can feel like you're on your way out and suddenly come back and find your form, be a key player um, and become a regular in the team again. So I don't think it's quite time to write him off just yet. Um, But he he does need to start showing why Forrest brought him in. Um, Let's finish with very arbitrary marks out of 10 then for the the transfer window. Um, how would you, I'll let you go first, Dan. I mean, they got rid of Zach Clough, which I never thought they would, probably by paying him <laughs> off a bit. Tendai Derrick were the same. Heffler's still here. They, they were more outs than in. So does it qualify as a success? And if so, what number out of 10 would you give it? 
Yeah, I'll go steady seven, which is a bit of a cop out, but yes, I think I think so. I mean, the the loan signings you can only really judge a month down the line, and maybe that seven will either go up or down, dependent on whether we've all forgotten that Philip Kravinovich exists in six weeks' time when he's only played one more game. Or something. But the way it's on first appearances, I think it did look promising. And uh, to kind of re- reiterate what I said earlier, the the, the Murray signing is good because it, it at least suggests that Chris Hutton has got some sway in that transfer policy and there aren't players being kind of handed to him and him expected to fit them into the team. So that is a positive. And Sarah, what are you saying about it? After deadline day, I gave it a five out of ten. But I think I'll probably, oh, re- I know, I know. I think I'll probably revise that a bit. Probably a six will go a little bit higher. Um, I think they they have done some good business. I just think they needed another winger. Um, they needed a bit more creativity. That would be my only my only gripe about the window. Um, I think the players they have brought in. On first viewing, they look good. They look like they can add something. Um, They've cut numbers a bit. Um, Like Dan says, they are Hewton signings. He's made that very clear. He stressed that, that players that that have come in are players that he wants. Um, And you can see that in, you know, they're players that he knows, a lot of them. Um, Obviously, he knows Gaten Bong, Anthony Knockhart, Glenn Murray. He wants to surround himself with players he knows that he can trust. And that's no bad thing. I think they've, They've made sure in that window that it's quite sensible business in that they've not gone out and panic bought a load of players in the hope that they'll keep them up. That has to be a good thing because I think previously in the past that might have happened. Um, So I think it's quite steady. I think it'll be enough probably to keep them up. Um, I I just wonder whether they they might be made to to pay for not getting a little bit more flair and creativity in. Uh, I think they've done all right. I, I would give them a, a seven as well. I'm glad that, like you say, Sarah, we didn't see some random, you know, Zhao to share a Bolly Ribby type signing on the last day who's, you know, never going to kick a ball for us. So that was progress. And I'm hoping, like, you, you're right when you talk about a winger, but I'm hoping that Garner and Kravinovich, as we talked about earlier, get the ball to these wingers to let them do some proper damage and see what they can do. So I, I'm quite positive i mean i suppose i'm always try and be glass half full but i'm quite optimistic that they're going to finish this season comfortably in mid-table brennan johnson's going to come back yes (laughs) brennan johnson's going to come back alex martin's going to play 40 games they're going to get in the playoffs next season and it's going to be (laughs) paul hart team all over again but that might be a bit too uh misty-eyed right i think we'll leave it there so thanks to everyone who um watched along and put comments in thank you sarah as usual Thank you. And thank you, Dan. This is your hat-trick ball appearance, but, you know, we're, I don't know, where, wherever you are in the world, I can't get you a football from here. No I can't cake, pick you that no far. ball. No, I know. <laughs> well, when the world returns to normal, you're welcome to come to Nottingham and we'll have celebratory <laughs> cake and uh, probably beer as well, the way the last year's gone. So <laughs> thanks very much, Dan, and thanks Cheers, for everyone thank who watched along. We shall be back uh, next week with another episode, hopefully discussing another win for Forest. Stay safe, everyone, and we will see you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah.